I'm Earl Green, and this is your Sci-Fi 5, 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History for January 5th. This day in 1972 marked a turning point for the American space program, as well as how science fiction filmmakers and TV producers envisioned fictional rides into space. After several years of studies and bids from aerospace companies, it was on this day that President Richard Nixon authorized the space transportation system in particular, North American Rockwell's space shuttle, with its distinct launch stack consisting of the shuttle attached to an enormous external fuel tank, which in turn was flanked by two solid rocket boosters. The most cost-effective, reusable, and feasible transport to space that Nixon and Congress at the time would approve. The space transportation system was originally intended to include other vehicles, such as an orbital cargo tug and a nuclear booster capable of pushing human crews toward Mars, though the space shuttle remained the only part of the STS that was ever granted a budget, while the rest remained on paper and in the imaginations of the engineers who designed them. But how did this affect science fiction? We'll shuttle back in time after this. With the authorization of the development of the space shuttle in 1972, it was hoped that North American Rockwell and NASA could have the shuttle flying in 1977, which then slipped to 1979, and then slipped again to 1981, when the shuttle did finally fly. There had been a six-year gap in American crewed spaceflight since the Apollo-Soyuz test project in 1975, the final flight of an Apollo spacecraft. But during the long and expensive development process, NASA's PR department went into overdrive, continually reminding the public of how awesome it would be when the shuttle finally flew. The makers of science fiction on film and TV took note. A model of the shuttle launch stack appeared in shows like The Fantastic Journey. A vehicle with a similar launch configuration to the shuttle appeared in the opening episode of the BBC sitcom Come Back, Mrs. Noah. The space shuttle figured heavily into everything from the James Bond movie Moonraker to an I Dream of Genie reunion TV movie. In many cases, these filmed exploits of the space shuttle showed the vehicle doing things it simply couldn't do. The shuttle didn't have lasers. It couldn't go to other planets, let alone the moon. It was never flown on a 747 with fuel aboard, so it couldn't be hijacked from the back of its carrier airplane, as shown in Moonraker. Even once the real shuttle was flying, Hollywood maintained a pretty fanciful view of the shuttle's capabilities. See everything from space camp to Armageddon to gravity. But because NASA made information about the shuttle's dimensions readily available, and because the public was repeatedly reassured that the shuttle was going to happen and was going to be the future of space travel, Hollywood and everyone else latched onto it. And NASA took full advantage of that, too. In 1976, when the space shuttle Enterprise was rolled out of its hangar, most of the cast of the original Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry himself were in attendance. And in 1977, when the Enterprise made its first free-flight glide and landing from the back of its Boeing 747 carrier aircraft, 
It had been just a couple of months since we had been introduced to Luke Skywalker flying something a bit more aerodynamic and airplane-shaped than an Apollo Command and Service module. The shuttle's visibility in sci-fi and in reality was a case of life imitating art, imitating life. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5 for January 5th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.